They're answering one question, which is how can you make a lasting positive impact on the country, school, community, or beyond? That's essentially what they're grappling with. They have bought into this, and it wouldn't be the project it's becoming if they didn't. And I do think I have to give them credit. A lot of that's because of who they are individually. Welcome to Crafting Learning, a curriculum design podcast. With your hosts, Andy Tyson, Rashawn Richards, and me, Lacey Ramsey. We spoke with our colleagues, Marshall Johnson, Lauren Romeo, and Liz Carroll. Lacey, you and I were part of the planning work too, so here was a conversation where you and I both had some inside knowledge about the work and the process, and in many ways, shared enthusiasm for the types of outcomes that are happening. I'm just going to jump in and say, I shared enthusiasm too. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I liked in the conversation how everybody was comfortable with the open-endedness of the work and the real spirit of design that this is going to be an iterative process and this is in year one. And nobody really knows how it's going to end up, but everybody's excited about that journey. But what I love, as much as there was ambiguity in the journey and acceptance of the open-endedness, there was laser focus on the true point of it all being tapping into student passion, helping guide that passion to something actionable. And that is amazing. Anything that connects student passion with student choice, with expert teacher guidance, whatever journey that takes will, will be fascinating. It's a capstone in that it's the culminating project of their experience at country school. But it's an action project, which kind of goes with country school's philosophy and uh, mission that we're leading lives of impact and purpose. Um, that impact is playing out as an action project. I, I appreciated how there are multiple examples of specific students and their thinking or their idea and what Lauren Marshall is, you, Lacey, were noticing. And I feel like that makes the design work that much more concrete because those noticeable learning moments are a result of this new curriculum or this new project design. Yeah, and I think that uh, one thing that really stood out to me from the conversation was just the chance to reflect on what the kids are doing so far. I know we all sat in a room together over the summer and talked about it, thought about it, had visions for what it might be. And yeah, we meet all the time to talk about it and plan for the next step. But um, that was the first time that we all really just looked back on the process so far and looked forward as to like what could happen next. And that really stood out to me in our conversation. Well, let's now hear about the Capstone Project from our colleagues, Marshall, Liz, Lauren, and you too, Lacey. Lauren, Lacey, Liz, Marshall, thank you all for being on our podcast. We really look forward to hearing about the work you engage with during the summer. To get started, could you each tell us your name, your role, how long you've been at NCCS, and anything else you think our audience might want to learn about you? My name is Lauren Romeo. I am the, get ready for it, um, assistant head of our upper school and co-director of secondary school counseling. I've been at Country School, this is my 20th year actually, 
And any other roles at NCCS that I've had that are applicable? Maybe chair um, and coach, of course. I'm Liz Carroll. This is my 14th year at Country School. I am an upper school English and history teacher. I'm also very proud of the fact that I produced the yearbook. Um, and uh, so glad to be working on this project and talking about it on this podcast. My name is Marshall Johnson. I am the history department coordinator for the upper school, and this is my ninth year at country school. I'm also an eighth grade history teacher, ninth grade global studies teacher, coach, and advisor. I'm Lacey Ramsey. It's nice to be back on the podcast this week. I am the uh, upper school learning resource teacher, or one of the upper school learning resources teachers, and I'm also the director of the apprentice teacher training program. This is my fifth year at country school. And I'm also the host of this podcast. Co-host. Co-host. <laughs> Would you each be able to share how you ended up at New Canaan Country School? So I was originally working at Eagle Hill School in Greenwich, and I actually was home on maternity leave and saw that an opening for a learning resource teacher popped up, and I was intrigued by the job description. So I came, I interviewed, I saw the campus, and... Here I am, five years later, still here and still loving it. So I actually was fortunate enough to go to country school as a student. Um, I graduated, I left after eighth grade in 2003, and then in 2014, 2015, um, I was currently, at that point, I was teaching at an all-girls school in Dallas, Texas. I was in the, move, in the process of moving back up to the Northeast to be closer to family and happened to reach out to Pat Oaks, who was kind enough to say that my former seventh grade teacher, Sue Freiborg, was gearing up to retire. And so there was a nice opportunity for, for me to chat with the upper school team. And I landed in seventh grade. I was an advisor and a history teacher for several years. I came to country school, as I said, 14 years ago. I had had several different careers before. I had been a stylist on photo shoots, and, um, and uh, while I was in graduate school, I began um, working as a writer and freelance editor. Then I was an adjunct professor of creative writing at the new school, and yet the adjunct lifestyle was not really conducive to having um, like a real adult life so I decided I needed to get a real job and I interviewed with Tim Delahanty and was hired just to teach one ninth grade English class and that has now expanded and um, teaching English and history my daughter went here and we keep going uh, I was actually in the world of publishing before country school. I worked for a couple different magazines. The last one I worked with um, or at was a magazine called Business 2.0, which has since shuttered. It was a victim of the 2008 financial collapse. Um, but during my five-year review, I remember sitting <laughs> and the publisher who was asking me, where do you see yourself in five years? And I just remember thinking in my head, I really don't want your job or any of the other jobs above me. So um, my mom was a longtime teacher and I threw in an application to the apprentice program at New Canaan Country School and thought like, maybe, I'm not so sure. And then I did two years as an apprentice here and I was totally hooked um, and have never left. It's always interesting to hear the different prior to NCCS experiences that folks have lived. And uh, you don't always know those things about people, even if you've been colleagues with them 
for five or more years. So I am always happy to learn these kinds of new things about each of you. It's like always watching the Avenger movies, but never having watched Iron Man 1 or the standalone prequels. That came first. Yes, it is hard to, there, to see the whole great. team assembled. Yes, no, no, no. Although I've fallen off the ship at this point. There's too many too now many. that I just can't, but... But I actually do think that our backstories are kind of important here because we're asking our students in this project to connect with the larger world and you know, each of us here has some kind of backstory and some expertise in something that doesn't show on a daily basis, but so do many, many other people in the NCCS community. And that's a great place. Can we get like the 15 second elevator pitch sizzle reel, like what is so amazing about the Capstone Project? What is so amazing about the work you put into it over the summer and why we're excited for the next 22 minutes of this episode? So I think that elevator pitch for the ninth grade capstone project really centers around the name of the project itself. I think that was kind of an epiphany moment for us when we realized it's really a community action project. It's one that's designed really from the ground up so that the kids can highlight a question that they're genuinely passionate about and then pursue it over the next seven to eight months. And I think from our end, that was something that we wanted to be very intentional about. We wanted to create a very open-ended project where it's not just another social studies presentation where the students are given a topic. Maybe it's relevant, maybe it's not to their personal interests. They do research, they stand up and deliver it. We've seen that a number of times between sixth and eighth grade. Um, and obviously, if you look at the younger grade levels too, there's a lot of presentation that happens in social studies. I think this was a nice opportunity to kind of move the project away from just social studies, history, and geography and get it to be something that is truly community-facing. Instead of students to just look at ninth grade history, we wanted them to think about their entire time at country school. Um, and so one of the things, or the main part of what we asked students to do with this project is directly tied to the mission statement. And I think one of the other great byproducts of this project is the fact that it is a really active project. Not that the last one was passive by any means, because there was obviously a night where everyone presented in front of a large audience, but I just feel like a big part of this is to figure out how you can make this project come to life, not just on country schools campus, but beyond. And I think when you, you know, we, we charge all of our students with trying to, and all of ourselves really, with trying to live a life um, that leads to impact and purpose in that project. like directly does that. So this is a project that allows students to really tap into what they are passionate about from any part of their background, social studies, history, music, or otherwise, and find a way to share that passion with guidance from expert teachers with the community in a way that could impact and serve the community. They're answering one question, which is how can you make a lasting positive impact on the country school community or beyond? That's essentially what they're grappling with. Amazing. And to tell you the truth, Andy, that answer, could we just steal that? If we could just encapsulate that? <laughs> Including the music learning? part. That would yes. be quite helpful. <laughs> um, I no, tried not I, to pause, so you can't edit it out. It's yeah, all it's, one it's now yeah. It is tied to the ninth grade curriculum in that we're asking students to use this inquiry-based approach that in their global studies class, they're currently learning. Um, and so it's this cycle or this process that students will go through to collect the information that they need, analyze it, and then create an impact project. Act. Some of them will act on that project, and then everybody will 
um, showcase it in some way or another and then reflect on it. And that reflection, I think, is one of our one of the most valuable parts of this as a capstone um, because it'll ask them to think what parts of your country school experience did you need to did you tap into to create this project? And I think it'll be really cool when they realize that, wow, they used so much of what they've learned, whether they've been here for two years or 13 years. As you were talking about that, Lacey, I actually was thinking of one of the students who is doing a project that's specifically targeting fish in the new, and actually it's the, uh, the Long Island Sound region. And that student was reflective enough to recognize that in fourth grade, they did a project that basically resulted in, I think it was... Releasing salmon. Releasing salmon, yeah. right? And I think, unfortunately, COVID may have derailed that. But yeah. either way, that project was really the seed that was planted years ago in the mind of this kid. And now he's pursuing it actively. It's really cool. We've been impressed by what the early childhood team introduced, the, the book Circles. This idea that like a community is, is a circle and then it kind of gradually expands. You know, you start with the self and then you kind of move beyond the self to the family and then family to local community or maybe school and then from there national and then there global or international. This project, whether coincidentally or intentionally, ultimately kind of follows the same pattern. And so I do think for our ninth grade students who are interacting with buddies groups in younger grades, this too has been kind of a nice connecting moment. And even on that circle point, they started as a grade with us, the sort of capstone leader people. And then we went to the next circle by bringing in this group of capstone advisors who come from all over campus. So we expanded that circle. Well, something else that's interesting about those circles is some of our students, their initial ideas were sort of on this grand global scale. Like, I want to end, you know, plastic pollution in the South China Sea. Well, maybe you can't quite have that impact as a ninth grader at New Canaan Country School. So we've kind of adopted the motto, which we did not make up, but um, that they should be thinking globally but acting locally. So to try to see what they may have global concerns and hopefully they'll have more of them as they progress through our global studies course. But how can they actually bring those concerns to bear on the issues that are facing either country school or our local community here? I think they're also recognizing the power that they actually have as individuals too. Um, I'm thinking about one of our students who is just thinking this, this question that they were, um, I think, tossing around at the beginning of the process was one that seemed so big, which was how can I help ex-convicts? But when they really do start to think about, well, who do I have access to that might actually be able to make an impact on the, on the life of someone who is recently incarcerated? I think they're shocked at really the types of supports they're able to leverage and what they're able to do individually. There are so many members of the country school community that have so many cool connections and fascinating interests to all of these topics, whether we realize it or not. And so I think we've been really, as the capstone advisor or leaders, we've been trying to be very, very thoughtful about pairing kids with support that would be interesting that might lead to connections to organizations or groups or people who just would be a good mentor to work with a certain student. So I've had the benefit of seeing this rollout happening in real time. At the time of our recording right now, we're midstream in the first year of this capstone project. And I'm wondering so far, have you seen amongst the students thinking that you hadn't necessarily seen otherwise, or you knew was in there, but 
through our ordinary course of school business had not necessarily been tapping into. I think what has surprised me most is how little corralling we've needed to do in terms of getting the kids to meet certain checkpoints and deadlines. I think the hardest part of the process really for the kids so far has really just been nailing down the specific wording of their research question. But truly, they're all genuinely fascinated in whatever it is they're exploring, and so they're that much more inclined to do the work independently. I don't think we've really had a huge rub in that area yet. That's been surprising and really cool to see. I do feel like we've learned about interests of kids who we didn't necessarily know about. I'm thinking of one student in particular who, on his brainstorm, wrote some pretty heavy topics that he was interested in, and this isn't someone we thought this would come out of at all, and I'm hoping that by like finding that interest in himself that he, it will give him a voice and that he'll be able to take those interests with him um, into his next school when he leaves. Yeah, I've seen that too, Lacey. And uh, another thing that I think is really lovely is the way that this is such a great reflection on our mission to kind of educate the whole child. This is giving us a platform for them to express who they are outside of the classroom, maybe, and, and to explore some of those interests or passions. The deliverable of this, of this whole project is also interesting to point out because to your comment, Lacey, a lot of these kids don't necessarily know how they're going to present their topic yet, and that's absolutely okay. In the past, it really took one or two forms. It was either an analytical research paper and or a presentation, which can still be the case for, for some students who really do prize their research and writing abilities. That's fine. However, to your point, Andy, we've got students who are really musically inclined. Visually, in the arts, they're equally impressive. Like, we would love to see some performances, installation art, pieces of music that are written, you name it, this, the world is truly their oyster. So again, I think we're pretty excited to see what they start to develop between now, December, and May, presumably when they'll present their findings. And so much of that deliverable that they're going to be showing, we're really asking them to do too, is reflect on the process. And I think that so much of what we value about education is not necessarily the product, but the process. So. Uh, for example, I know that one student is already talking about making a documentary film to kind of document his own inquiry process. And here I am interviewing this person, and here I am, you know, grinding on my computer, but which of, of course is part of it. But then you wind up with this document, a documentary film, about the process of learning, acting, and then reflecting. I'm also excited to see the ways that it's going to manifest in our community too. I mean, I had a meeting with a child this morning, a ninth grader this morning, and um, they're researching the Holocaust and they're, you know, obviously Holocaust survivors right now are aging and <clears throat> won't be with us for for too much um, longer, um, but they were interested in getting a Holocaust survivor to campus to have a conversation with the upper school, and so they took the bold steps of reaching out to try to um, organize that for a speaker to come to campus or Zoom with us on campus at the end of January. So that was already one sort of change maker type thing that a student has already done just as this morning. The funny thing is, like, we have no idea what the product could look like. Yeah. We have, like, you know, some thoughts, but we'll, we won't know until May or June what it's going to be. And that, that sort of mirrors our planning of this whole project. We sat there 
talking about things just with, with such abstract ideas and it took us really a long time to even get something on paper that we could then explain and we still kind of can't really explain it but um, we're getting closer and um, I'm so curious to see like since this is a work in progress if I know I know how, what I'm thinking but what you all think about is this what we thought was going to happen or is it totally different I've been impressed with the kids comfort with the ambiguity much of that must be led by how you're all demonstrating comfort with that ambiguity and that that flexibility there's a certainty around the why and you've given a framework for the how and which is really about the process as you mentioned and maybe that is evidence of their having successfully developed as young people in our community that at this point in their journey they are okay with that i love that there's no grade attached to this yet everybody seems engaged i have two cap advisees and both of them have already reached out to set up times to chat and i think they only were informed about their advisors last evening mm -hmm. so i think that's a really nice signal about that intrinsic motivation to do something great I think we felt way more confident running this program this year knowing that we had the students we have in, in ninth grade returning. Um, this is a stellar group and it's not to say that previous years have been any less stellar or impressive. No, they're just a very unique group um, and I think they, they have bought into this and it wouldn't be the project it's becoming if they didn't. And I do think I have to give them credit. A lot of that's because of who they are individually. I totally agree. They set a high bar and they hold each other to that standard. So. You know what that sound means? It is time for our installment of Hip Hacks, where we ask you, our guests, to share something amazing with us that helps you in life. Mine, for example, could be... When you're in Google Sheets, hit Command-Enter for a paragraph break within a cell. No need to endlessly hit spacebar. You should do the MLA bibliography on Google Docs. <laughs> no, that's so boring. No, I like oh, that one. Great. That's it a good one. I didn't know like it existed. <laughs> you have content knowledge to share. It's a hack. It's a hack. This is a canned response. I mean, this is one I definitely came up with a few minutes ago. But my, my hack is, as a classroom teacher, do not... Get a goldfish, do not get a fish. It won't go well if you're even remotely like I am. Okay, fine. I have a great way to never learn how to make a bibliography. Google will do it for you. No, but you also have to learn how to make a bibliography. <laughs> not when you learn the hack. Wait, so what's the hack? What do you do with The hack is that you go to tools and you go to citation and then you go over and you can just enter the URL of your source and it will actually format it perfectly with the hanging indents and everything. Will it do APA as well or just MLA? Oh, yes, it will. And we might even do Chicago. Chicago. But don't tell your English teacher. <laughs> Uh, my helpful hack is that I color code everything to what's wrong. It's a hip hack, not a helpful hack. <laughs> it can be helpful. There's branding involved, there's it a logo, there's a song. I'm looking at the screen and it says helpful. Uh, oh my hip, well fine, it's hip to be color coded, I suppose. Oh yes it is. Um, I color code everything from the markers on my desk to the, um, 
the Google Calendar meetings that I have set up according to different areas of my life. Is there a key to your code that we could discover? The key is in my brain. <laughs> and it works beautifully. I Even when I go out and buy things, um, I color code according to what I've assigned to them in life. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. Wait, you would like this. My books on my bookshelf at home are color coded. And sometimes if I need a new color book, I'll just go out to a bookstore and I don't even care what the book is. It's I need a purple book. Right. Um, this is weirdly insightful. I'm learning so much. <laughs> oh, I have a better hip hack. This is more fun. When you're trying to listen to something on Spotify, never go to the artist's actual, um, always go to the radio of the artist because that way when you put in John Prine, you won't just get John Prine songs, you put in John Prine radio and then you'll discover all kinds of new you artists. Steve Earle. Do you like that? Yeah. Do that on Pandora. I like that you're a John Prine fan too. Okay, should I share a hip hop? Like yeah. Yes. Okay. It can just be helpful too. Don't feel it's pressure. just yeah. My, this is really helpful for those people who really enjoy sleep like I do. The snooze button. Don't have kids. Don't have oh, yeah, yeah. Don't have kids. Don't have kids. But if you do have kids or not, Use the snooze button. Nine minutes, it's like you got a whole extra night of sleep in those nine minutes. You'll wake up feeling totally refreshed. I'd rather get hit by a train than <laughs> get up and then do it again. It's like it never happened. You don't feel it. I don't believe You're you. You're a talented sleeper, Lacey. Mm -hmm. I build it into the original wake-up time. Sometimes 18 minutes. Well, Marshall, Liz, Lauren, and Lacey, thank you so much for sharing about your work. We look forward to seeing what the students do come up with by the end of the year. What I've seen already is really impressive and that's thanks to all of your good design and good intent. So thank you very much for being on our show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Crafting Learning. This show was produced by Rashawn Richards, Andy Tyson, and Lacey Ramsey. Recording was done by Andy Tyson. Mixing by Rashawn Richards. Original music composed by Andy Tyson and arranged by Rashawn Richards. Please like, comment, and follow. And let your colleagues, friends, and family know that they can listen to Crafting Learning wherever they find their podcasts.